What's going on, everybody? It is JT, Triple Crown 24. Thanks for joining me for a new episode of the Sports Card Psychology Podcast. Great to have you along with me today. I'll be riding solo for today's topic as we do have a bit of a retrospective on the NFL season and kind of look ahead to the future of football. And more specifically, since this is a hobby-related show, the future of football cards. There is plenty for me to say as I pull out my crystal ball here for today's episode to kind of forecast the future, but there's really one thing I'm certain of, and just this one thing I'm certain of when it comes to the future of football cards, and that is nothing is certain. Um, We do know that Fanatics will be taking over the NFL licensing within the next few years. Now, What exactly that's going to look like, not much is really known at this point. We've had similar conversations on this channel and many others out there, as I'm sure you've seen or read on various platforms about kind of the implications in various sports, including football. Maybe what's so to expect on the baseball side has become a little bit more known since Fanatics has acquired tops in recent times, which would likely imply the continuation of what we've seen over the past few years with maybe some modifications, but that we're a little bit more certain on. In in terms of the NFL, though, and what football cards look like, we're not sure. And there's plenty of ideas out there about what Fanatics will do. Will they bring back the Topps brands that were discontinued after the loss of the exclusive license in 2016? We really don't know at this point in time. But those kind of forecasting what Fanatics will do videos have been done several times already. And I don't really want to dive into that topic today because, quite frankly, I'm not as well versed on the Fanatics situation, especially with with what their future plans are. So we'll table that discussion for today. What I most more so want to focus on is consumer behavior and anticipatory thinking towards the hobby as it relates to football cards going forward in the short term and then longer term, such as the next five to 10 years. We'll kind of leave that end of the timeline a bit loose because, well, there's a lot of applications that will really depend on how the Fanatics deal plays out and what will be available to us at that time and really outside factors that are not even hobby related, such as what does the world economy look like? Uh, what does our economy here in the United States look like? So plenty of factors to consider there. Uh, Looking ahead to the future of football, there is a huge change coming in terms of the actual sport itself. And a lot of that has to do with a changing of the guard. Now, if we look at the hobby, a lot of the discussion is often quarterback-centric. In football, you could say there's definitely a lot more to talk about there. Uh, Rosters are 53 players large, and there's 32 teams. So why only focus on one or two players from every single team, even if that in terms of the hobby to talk about football in general? Well, a lot of our hobby behaviors are still quarterback-centric. So that's why I'm going to be talking about all of the quarterbacks here. And – there is a changing of the guard at the quarterback position over the past few years, really going back to Super Bowl 50, we've seen Peyton Manning hanging up. That was really the start of this uh, 
fading of the old guard, if you will, where a few years later you see someone like Eli Manning, a two-time champion who defeated one of the greatest teams of all time in the 2007 Patriots in one of the biggest Super Bowl upsets of all time as well. Very classic moment, uh, perhaps the most classic game, in my opinion, since the turn of the century. See a guy like Philip Rivers, who was a perennial uh, playoff contender every single year, never quite made it to the big stage, but still a very prominent figure who has called it quits. And then in more recent years, last year we saw Drew Brees after nearly two decades in the league. He uh, has now retired. Of course, this offseason has started off pretty loud with the retirements of Ben Roethlisberger, who spent nearly te- uh, two decades of his career with the same team in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And of course, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. And it was won seven Super Bowls more than any single franchise in NFL history, has now decided that his career is over after 22 seasons. Now, I I still believe Brady may come back. We'll see. (laughs) He doesn't really need to prove anything, but he could certainly come back. Uh, One of the last kind of guys that maybe we lump into that discussion would be an Aaron Rodgers. We're not sure exactly if or where he'll play in the upcoming season, but we're within the last few seasons of Aaron Rodgers' career most certainly. And with that, most of the young talent in the game kind of has the keys to the kingdom. And by young talent, I would define that as guys who have five or years less playing time under their belt. Uh, Perhaps the most prominent would be someone like Patrick Mahomes, who has now just finished his fifth season, fourth season as a starter. You You do still have some holdouts from the late 2000s, early part of the previous decade as well such as Matthew Stafford, who just won his first Super Bowl in his first season with the Los Angeles Rams. So you do have a few guys like that. Matt Ryan is another one who comes to mind. But for the most part, most of the excitement, especially in the hobby, is surrounding these quarterbacks that have come out since, we'll say, 2016 and later, with Dak Prescott kind of being the oldest example among the group. And with that, a lot of people are anticipating that these guys – will be the ones to fill the shoes of your Brady's, your Roethlisberger's, your Manning's that for the the time being remain vacant. One of the stats that has always blown my mind away is that until Patrick Mahomes reached the Super Bowl with the Chiefs in the 2019-2020 season, every year since 2000, the AFC representative in the Super Bowl was a team quarterbacked by Tom Brady, Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger, with only one exception being Joe Flacco and his Ravens in 2012. That is pretty crazy that almost two decades of football, half the league (laughs) was represented by three names, and those three guys have had a very strong hobby presence since then. Uh, On the NFC side, certainly a lot more parity in that regard, but there's been a few constants, guys who – Maybe they're not necessarily in the Super Bowl every year, but you can expect them to make the postseason and at least win a couple of games, get deep into the postseason. I'm talking your Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees tier. Uh, There's a few other guys maybe that you could lump in there, but for the most part, there's been a lot more parity on the NFC side. And now things have definitely opened up. Uh, Roethlisberger, Brady, and Manning, 
are no longer in the picture. Breeze is no longer in the picture, and we don't really know where Aaron Rodgers will even be. So with a wide open field, there's not much to really expect going into next season. Uh, could we say that an absolutely stacked Rams team will be the favorites once again? Yeah, probably. Let's wait to see what happens in free agency here in the draft. Let's see if there's any significant injuries that happen during training camp. And let's see where everyone lands when the uh, quarterback carousel stops spinning to really determine who's going to be our favorites heading into next season. There's still plenty to ask about there, but hobby-wise, we can definitely have a more clear picture regardless of the outcome on the field. And right now, there's a lot of people who are kind of wondering, who should I collect? I see it quite often, and a lot of times it's in a baseball context. I've seen quite a bit of it with basketball, as there's somewhat of a new guard in basketball as well. But in football, I have heard a lot of people asking, you know, which of these quarterbacks, uh, specifically some debates within the classes themselves. Uh, if you look at Let's go to the 2017 class. For a long time, it was Trubisky versus Watson versus Mahomes. And at this point, there's a pretty clear winner among, among that group. Uh, the 2018 one, it seems that Josh Allen has really established himself as the breadwinner in that quarterback class. But you still could see a turnaround from Baker Mayfield. And at one point, he was the guy among that group. You could also still see Lamar Jackson prevail as the guy. You know, when he won his MVP award, a lot of people were thinking that he was going to be the top quarterback to come out from that class. So someone could definitely challenge Allen still. It's not out of the question. Uh, the 2019 class, longtime Dwayne Haskins and, and Daniel Jones in particular, people thought maybe they'll be the guy. Kyler Murray seems to be the, uh, the, prodigal, uh, the prodigy, so to speak, out of that one, despite – some of the drama that has unfolded with him. Uh, there was a little brief pocket in time when Jarrett Stidham was going to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady. And, of course, with the 2021 class, we'll talk about them in a minute. That's not necessarily uh, going to happen now. The 2020 class, quite a big battle there. For a long time, it was three really prominent players. A lot of the love for Tua Tagovailoa has fallen off. In a lot of the uh, anticipation surrounding Jordan Love hasn't necessarily been there. It's mostly been Burrow versus Herbert. And now with Joe Burrow making a huge statement of his run in the playoffs, even though he came up short in the Super Bowl, he had a phenomenal season, especially when you consider that he was running for his life most of the season with one of the most atrocious NFL lines to ever make a Super Bowl appearance, uh, kind of giving him protection or a lack thereof. And since he had torn his ACL the previous season, I mean, think about that. He was on a team that less than two years ago had the number one pick in the draft, came off a torn ACL where they really didn't do too much to build around him. And then the Bengals made a few moves and ended up getting them all the way to the Super Bowl. Just pretty remarkable what Joe Burrow has done. But a lot of people still believe that Justin Herbert will be a guy who brings the Chargers to the biggest game at some point here in the near future. We just don't know. A lot of it is anticipation, and a lot of it is also speculation. We'll, we'll need to define the two here. But in a period of anticipation, a lot of times that can cause a bit of a 
stagnant market where people are not necessarily sure if they want to hold or sell on someone. Uh, anticipation can also bring up fear and anxiety and fear and anxiety is something that we typically see in a seller's or a bear market. Um, some may see it as an opportunity and those opportunistic minds will see it as perhaps a bull market on their side. But in general, we don't really know what to expect going forward because there are so many guys who have now proven that to some extent they can get the job done. And to what extent it varies on a case by case basis, but quarterback wise, who will be the defining guy of this generation? We don't know. And perhaps there won't be a defining guy. I think with the presence of Tom Brady over the last two decades, he's kind of filled this final boss character, if you will. And by, what I mean by that is a final boss is a term that you kind of hear in uh, in video games. So let's go with a classic Super Mario Brothers. Typically, your final boss is Bowser, right? He's the big bad villain. Um I don't really I'm not a huge video game guy, so I can't <laughs> I can't really think of any other ones off the top of my head. But he's your he's the big evil, the big bad, the guy to beat at the end of the game, right? And Tom Brady, for the long time, his teams, both the Patriots and the Bucks, were the team to beat. He became the litmus test where you want to be the elite of the elite in the NFL, you have to beat Tom Brady. It's even more impressive if you can beat him on his turf being Gillette Stadium or Raymond James Stadium. But if you beat him in general, especially in the postseason, that's a pretty telling sign that, you know, you've made it, uh, so to speak. So he is that final boss. And also because, you know, he went to 10 Super Bowls. So quite literally, he was the final opponent you would have in the Super Bowl. And if you were able to triumph over him, that could be a huge impact to your legacy. I know one of the narratives around Matthew Stafford and his run to the Super Bowl title with the Rams this year was he was the guy who quote unquote retired Tom Brady because after the Rams defeated Brady and the Bucks in the divisional round, that was it for Brady. That is at this point in time, the final game in his career. So uh, Stafford, <laughs> one of the narratives, you know, I don't necessarily believe that this is hundred percent true, but one of the narratives is that he was the one who slayed Brady and finally put an end to his career, which if you want to look at it that way, that is certainly one angle to look at it. Uh, but realize what Brady did was incredibly special. I hear the word goat thrown around so much in the hobby today that it really has lost its meaning. Uh, before that, the term was generational talent. I don't hear that one as much anymore. I definitely hear goat way more than that. But it seems like every year there was a new generational talent. And that's just not how it worked. Like a generational talent means once in a generation, not once every year. That's an annual talent or a perennial talent. You want to talk about every few years of biannual talent. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lot of young guys who have that potential for sure, but not every single one of them will become generational talents. Not. You know, there's probably a dozen young quarterbacks with less than five years experience who we think could be the next big thing right now. Not all of them are going to work out. There's just not enough Super Bowls and playoff games to go around or even MVP awards to go around. That's why those things are so special. And that's why what Brady did is something that we may never see again. In fact, it's very likely we won't see it again. Um, if you wanted to kind of 
labeled at who is the now the final boss in the NFL. I think the most obvious or the most uh, given answer you would have if you ask people in the hobby would be someone like Patrick Mahomes. And we anticipate that someone will fill the shoes of Brady, but to me, that's more speculation than anticipation, right? Now, we can anticipate that Mahomes will have a very good career. He has a pretty good track record so far, four years as a starter. He has a Super Bowl ring. He has an MVP award. And every year he's been a starter, he's at least made it to the AFC Championship game, meaning he's won at least one playoff game in all four years as a starter. That is very impressive. And you can't take that away from him. You can't ask for much more out of a guy to start his career. And I think some of the attitudes towards Mahomes as well is that people have kind of gotten used to seeing the Chiefs in this position. We have anticipated the Chiefs to be the team to beat in the AFC for several years now, especially after Brady departed to go to the Bucks, and therefore was no longer with the Patriots in the AFC side of things. The Chiefs are now that team to beat. We, we expect them to be at the top, and they have become the new litmus test. Whereas speculation-wise, some of the young guys, such as Joe Burrow, I think that's what made his run so exciting is, exciting is that we don't really know what to anticipate or expect out of Joe Burrow. When we speculate, we're trying to gauge our expectations, where anticipation is knowing your expectations. And that's really what we're seeing with a lot of these quarterbacks now in the market is that we just don't know yet. And it kind of goes into this whole Schrodinger's cats scenario. And, you know, not exactly like that. Of course, we're not talking about cats in a box with radioactive material. We're talking about football players and football cards, <laughs> two totally different worlds. But until these guys prove themselves otherwise, we cannot confirm nor deny that these expectations for them are valid or invalid. That's really, I think, a huge part of the run-up in prices that we saw at the start of the pandemic, of course, because nobody who people speculated on was playing at the time. All of the sports world had stopped for the time being. It was on pause. So nobody could really prove themselves to be what we thought they were. But at the same time, they also couldn't disprove that. They were neither uh, proven, uh, proven assets in their league, nor were they busts or failing to meet expectations, whichever label that you want to assign. So going forward into the offseason here, things will cool off a little bit. And this year's draft class probably is not going to generate very much buzz. A lot of it is very heavy towards what I like to call the non-sexy positions in football. We're talking about the trench, trench excuse me, positions, such as your offensive and defensive linemen. A lot of really good talent there. There's also a lot of really good secondary talents, particularly at the safety position coming out of this draft class as well. Not necessarily guys who lend themselves to being big names in the hobby. Now, if you're someone who reaches the Aaron Donald level, then we have a conversation for sure. But again, Aaron Donald is truly a generational talent on the defensive side of the ball. And those types of players take a very long time to kind of garner the hobby respect that they probably deserve. And still, they never really reach that level that those quarterbacks in that top tier ever reach in terms of their hobby interest and really the hobby dollars that are spent on them, with some uh, exceptions, of course, such as, you know, your really premium high-end cards that are annually sought after, which, of course, that could change here when the licensing change 
once more we'll table that discussion for a later point in time. But the quarterback class it might be the worst one we've seen since 2013. And if you weren't around in 2013 in the hobby, there was still a bit of hype around your EJ Manuel and your Geno Smith. But for the most part, people were still hanging on to the 2012 class because that was the really exciting class. You still had Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III. You had Russell Wilson as well. Some people were still on Ryan Tannehill. There was a, uh, a cult following of Brock Osweiler for a while. Remember him? So there was a lot of people to be excited about in the 2012 class, especially, you know, put yourself back into the first few years of luck and RG3 and how exciting those guys were right out of the gate. And even Russell Wilson, you know, he made Super Bowl very early on in his career uh, twice. We haven't seen him back there since, but hopefully Russ still has one more run left in him before it's all said and done. He's still got plenty of time left. Uh, but regardless, just so much anticipation. And then 2013 hits in. I think people tried to make more out of it than what was really there. You know, you had some running backs that maybe had some promise with a guy like Eddie Lacy. He had a receiver who is, by all means, definitely exceeded expectations. And DeAndre Hopkins is on track for the Hall of Fame if he can continue to play at the level he has. Of course, suffered an injury late last season that uh, – kept him out for the end of the Cardinals run there in December and then their playoff game against the Rams in January. But nonetheless, the quarterbacks, there is nothing to write home about. Matt Barkley is a non-factor. Geno Smith, a little bit of excitement when Russell Wilson got hurt earlier this year, but uh, he's not the future quarterback of the Seahawks and his time in the hobby is pretty much come and gone unless something crazy happens. I'm not sure if EJ Manuel is hanging on to a backup job somewhere out there right now, but has also become hobby irrelevant. And then a lot of the late round guys, none of them really turned into something that was a, uh, you know, a sleeper pick, a home run pick in the later rounds. So really we see a similar quarterback class here. There's no one who is really going to be going after a quarterback who I think already has a playoff caliber team who's just missing that quarterback piece. And I don't know if there's necessarily a guy who can lead one of those teams. Certainly not a guy who I think would generate a lot of hobby interest. And I think any interest you will see is just a product of the circumstances, right? People want to collect the next big thing. That's that anticipation is that we're hoping that there's someone from this class and there will be. There will be someone who rises above and will go on to have a Hall of Fame career. But what position they play and what team they play for may not become apparent to us for several years to come. And in a hobby landscape that moves as quickly as it does now, with instant gratification being more prevalent than ever, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to, uh, to the situation where people are ne not necessarily going to be patient They'll probably want to stick to the 2021 class and the quarterbacks that came out of there. There's a lot of guys to choose from. Some have shown some pretty good promise, and I think some may be a little bit under the radar right now as well. And that's more so that speculative that speculation. We're more so speculating on what their futures could be, whereas anticipation, there's not really much to go off of, right? Maybe there's a little bit more for a Mac Jones who has now led his team to the playoffs. Maybe there is a little bit for Trey Lance because we did see him play and he had some brief moments where he did show that potential that 
we saw when the Niners drafted him in the top five of the 2021 draft. But for the most part, there is not that much to anticipate going forward into the next season. Um, you want to look at who the, the best team in the league was this past year, the Rams, who kind of had the super team. Despite how many talented players are on that team and how many future Hall of Famers are on that team, none of them are exactly hobby darlings. Uh, I really don't believe that Matthew Stafford's hobby will change all that much in the long term. He kind of has this burden that the majority of his career will have been spent with the Detroit Lions where he never won a playoff game. The Rams collector base isn't necessarily the most dedicated, I will say. No offense to the Rams fans out there, but... I think a lot of Rams fans will probably still gravitate towards a guy like your Kurt Warner or your Marshall Falk from the greatest show on turf days. Or if you're going to pick a more modern era Rams guy, it may be someone who was with the team when they weren't as good, such as an Aaron Donald. I think that would be a very prominent player. If you want to go after someone who is an offensive player, Cooper Cup may be someone who you really take a look at. And one of the greatest receiving seasons of all time this year, certainly in the top five. I would put it within the top three with uh, the record-breaking seasons from both Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson up there. How they rank amongst that group, I think that's up for debate, but we won't talk about that right now. Uh, Cup, without a doubt, though, is someone who definitely went from a, I don't want to say a non-factor, but a very limited factor in the hobby to someone who now there's a lot more people asking about him, not necessarily as much as you would see people asking about the quarterbacks. Uh, as a seller, I can tell you right now that not too many people have asked me about Matthew Stafford in recent weeks, especially you know in the fallout of the Super Bowl. Even fewer people have asked me about Cooper Cup, but there are still a lot more people asking about Joe Burrow. Even after the loss, there are a lot of people asking about Justin Herbert. There's a lot of people asking about Kyler Murray still. A lot of people asking about Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance. A lot of people are more so going towards that speculative side as rather than your more safe bets, the guys where we've kind of come to know what we're going to expect from them. Even to some extent, Mahomes, people aren't asking about as much. Now, is Patrick Mahomes' hobby irrelevant? Absolutely not. I don't think he ever will be hobby irrelevant at this point just because of the amount of uh, – money that has been put into Mahomes cards in general. But what I think you're going to see going forward is a very volatile market with football in terms of current players. And part of that also goes into the outside factors. We talked about the Fanatics deal earlier. Another part of it is the clearing of the PSA backlog. If you look at the point in time we're at now, we're towards the end of 2020 and the start of 2021 where we're at with people getting back their bulk submissions. And consider this, that we haven't seen Prism football really start to be graded in mass at this point yet. Uh, a lot of like, you know, the retail releases, people haven't had enough time at that point in the timeline to open up the product, examine the cards and send them in for grading and to get them back. So I would expect a huge influx of cards to really hit the market here into the summer of 2022, even uh, from that, those 2020 products that were released towards the end of football season, then even into the postseason as well as time goes on. And that to me means that there's going to be a lot more supply out there. 
and with that typically means that the demand will be met a little bit easier. Now, of course, supply and demand isn't everything in the hobby, and I, I don't want to rely solely on pop reports, but they're going to be alarmingly high for a lot of these football guys. You've seen people pay $150 to get a Mac Jones, Don, uh, Mac Jones excuse me, Donruss base card graded. Believe me, there's going to be more of that going forward, especially now that the economy level has returned through the events at the $50 level, and there are certain bulk submitters who have been given access to the economy level at larger quantities as well. Uh, some of the biggest names have had that access now. So we're going to see more and more of the newer cards rolling through the doors at PSA. And even at $50 a card, or even maybe a couple of dollars less than that, if you're going through one of these bulk submitters, you're going to see a lot of people sending stuff in because they still believe it's worth it at that threshold. I don't know if we've really corrected the mindset that led to the PSA backlog in general, but with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of supply available, I expect there to be some pretty extreme reactions, corrections, and movement in the NFL market in the offseason. And unfortunately, I think a lot of it is going to be stuff going down among the current players. Now, when you have something like this, when there is that much fear and uncertainty and people are going into this speculation mode, there are a lot of people, especially a lot of people who maybe got burned by some of their 2019 or 2020 prison basketball or football cards where they may try to be a bit more reserved. And I've seen that too of a lot of the new wave that has come back or entered the hobby for the first time where they are gravitating towards the players from the previous generation or even going into the vintage realm in some areas. Vintage football, in my opinion, for years now has been one area of the hobby that has been extremely undervalued. It's starting to pick up a little bit more momentum, but one of my predictions going forward, one of the things that I, I do anticipate, this isn't speculation, this is more some anticipation on my end, is that football cards, particularly vintage football cards and even cards from the 90s and 2000s, are going to see a surge here. As people really start to see what is truly rare and make those determinations for themselves as to what they really want to go after in their collections, I think the disappointment that will inev inevitably excuse me, come from some of these quarterbacks and the realization that we probably don't have the next Tom Brady in the league right now is going to cause some people to go back to what they know, what they can trust. And that is going back to your Peyton Manning's, your Ben Roethlisberger's, your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees. We've already seen it with Brady, but I would certainly expect that trend to continue back into the Peytons, into the Brees. And it's one of those things where absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, the longer those guys are retired, the more so that we may miss them, especially as this new guard continues to establish themselves. We'll miss those guys playing. It's going to be weird to not have NFL Sundays without Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, those guys have been hurt before. Uh, Brady, there was a suspension with the Flategate and all that. But we're just not used to not seeing those guys. They have become a part of our lives in a sense with Sunday NFL football. So there's a lot that's going to change and uh, people can be fearful of change. So that's why I do believe that you're going to see a lot more people going towards that. Another trend too, that I could see happening. This one is more so speculation because I don't, I can't necessarily anticipate it happening largely because historically we haven't seen this. There's not a lot of data to back this up, but I'm seeing a lot more interest in non quarterback players 
being collected. And I think a lot of people have started to look at the football hobby retrospectively and going back to some of the stud wide receivers from the day. I don't know if it's because he got into the Hall of Fame this year, but I have noticed a lot of uptick in interest in Calvin Johnson. I have noticed a lot of people asking about Larry Fitzgerald or grading Larry Fitzgerald cards. Not so much with Andre Johnson, but that guy was an absolute beast. I could definitely see people interested in him. He's had some legal troubles in recent times, but I have seen a lot of interest in Adrian Peterson uh, over the past year or so. I've seen, going back a little bit older than that, your Ladanian Tomlinson's, your Jerry Rice, even to some extent Terrell Owens. Uh, one of the big ones is Randy Moss. There seems to be a lot more people interested in Randy Moss cards. So a lot of these non-quarterbacks, and of course the running backs have had a pretty solid hobby following if you're talking about the tier that is up there among your Emmett Smiths, your Barry Sanders. you know Those guys have had a pretty good following, especially on the really rare stuff. But I would expect to see a rise in that mid-tier stuff, or at least that is what I'm going to be predicting going forward is those guys who have been out of the league for a long time. And I think part of that, too, is that people who are entering the hobby now and seeing the active players accomplish these feats, such as a guy like Frank Gore, who accumulated a bunch of yards over the years. Don't get me wrong, fantastic player. And a lot of people have looked at Frank Gore cards, maybe not as closely as some of his contemporaries, but to some extent, really that will give them a greater appreciation for what the all-time greats have done. Uh, one of the ones, if we want to look at a different sport, for example, I think a good example of this is Mike Trout. You know, he's been hurt this past year and missed most of the 2021 season. Uh, and looking at what his career numbers are and how much Mike Trout has been built up in the hobby, that it really gives you a great appreciation for the guys like a Hank Aaron, for example, or a Willie Mays who were accomplishing these feats around the same age, but not only did they accomplish them, they kept going at that pace. And yes, they dealt with their injuries too, but for the most part, they were able to kind of beat Father Time, who is undefeated every once it comes at some point. But largely, they've been, uh, you know, they went throughout their careers where they had very strong few final seasons. And that gives you a greater appreciation for what they did back then because a lot of those feats I don't know if we'll ever see them again just because of how the game has changed and how uh, the longevity of careers has changed as well in many sports. Those guys, there's a reason those guys are called generational talents is because uh, players who can match their ability only come along once in a generation. And I think as more and more time goes on and we see more vulnerability and more, uh, more of the human side of these current guys who – we haven't built up as these invincible figures like Brady in our head where we don't anticipate them to necessarily be there every single year. We're just kind of speculating that they will be. I think you'll see a greater appreciation for those guys who have already done it and already proven it. And I've heard this for many years, and I'm sure anyone who's been in the hobby for any length of time will know this too, is that people always question, you know, why are the vintage players so underrated and so undervalued compared to the unproven guys? And it's simply due to speculation. People love to go towards the next big thing and love to predict what is going to happen. It creates excitement. And that's what we really look for in our hobby experience. I don't think people really do this to be bored or to be you know, content with the same old status quo. I mean, yeah, there are times where 
having the same, you know, the same steady thing is nice, but people like excitement. They like that thrill of hitting on that next big quarterback prospect. But I think right now with the roller coaster ride we have been on in recent times, really since the peak run up in 2021 springtime, almost a year ago now, there's still a little valley coming up for us, probably within the next few months as the PSA backlog at the time of the shutdown finally gets caught back up. It may take even a little bit longer for that, but we're going to see it happen. And that's just from listening to past, uh, you know, listening to others in the hobby, reviewing the past and kind of noticing those trends. And who knows, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I do because I never want to see anyone lose in the hobby. But that's kind of what I see with football cards right now is that we are in a transitional period. And for some, this change will create excitement. For some, this change will create fear. And where you fall on that anticipation speculation spectrum is really a question you have to answer for yourself. And the reason why I think it's important to answer that for yourself is because it is crucial to your consumer behavior. You know, However you want to approach the hobby, if you're someone who approaches it from a monetary standpoint, if you're someone who approaches it from a more intrinsic value, regardless of what mix of that defines you, we're still spending money on these cards. And it's definitely important to think through your decisions, especially the more money that you're about to spend on these cards and really analyzing, am I anticipating that this card will be you know, a worthwhile purchase because I really like this player and I think that they'll perform well? Or am I more so speculating that they'll be at this level? Am I setting the expectations or do I already know the expectations? Am I getting caught up in the excitement that comes with speculation or even anticipation? Or am I really doing my research and really listening to my gut? And I'll leave it there with that open-ended question because I kind of want to leave some time here for some reflection. So I hope that this episode was fun and a nice little retrospective and perhaps look into the future of what the NFL hobby will look like. Again, my two big predictions here is that we will see continued speculation among the young quarterbacks in the game, and it will definitely result in a roller coaster ride of prices and a lot of volatility in that market over the next six months for sure. I would say even throughout the 2022 season and possibly beyond. In addition to that, I also see more people will start to gravitate towards some of the players from the previous generation when they gain more appreciation as and as that absence grows for what they were able to accomplish and maybe cater their collection more towards those uh, who they've liked historically rather than those who they like in the present day. So thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your thoughts down below on where you think the football card market is going in the future. Who do you plan on collecting in the future? Has anything changed for you in the past few years? Do you think anything is going to change for you in the future? I kind of would love to hear uh, what the pulse is on the hobby right now and how are you going to approach it if you are someone who dabbles in the football realm. Of course, if you want to reach out to me, besides the comments section on YouTube, you can also send me a message through the 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your podcast. Get in contact with me through there. Or, of course, reach out to me through Twitter or Instagram there. Always appreciate hearing your feedback, thoughts, and opinions. We'll be back on next week's show. have a few guests lined up for a few topics coming up I'm very excited about. So be sure to come back every Thursday for a new episode of the Sports Card Psychology Podcast. Until there, Until then, I almost made it through without tripping over my own words. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Stay safe and remember to always be kind.